Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the family audio drama, The Brinkman Adventures. We talk about the writers, the actors, and most importantly, the stories and the missionaries behind the stories. I'm your host, Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. <laughs> and uh, we're happy to be here with you today. This is episode 25. And we are going to be uh, continuing from our last episode and talking about the episodes from season five, um, episode four and five. It's a two-parter, Bad Legs. It is the story of Eleanor Young. And uh, it's a great, fascinating story. It's a, f- it's a couple of fun episodes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. There's so powerful. And, These stories have really impacted my life a lot. Yeah, they're, they're some yeah. of my favorites. So we're going to go ahead and let's go ahead and play a clip right away. Josh, roll that. This is the only way through the pass unless they walk around the southern mountain. Listen. It is them. I'm certain. All right. Everyone, draw your bows. Stand completely still. We want to draw them out into the open. Stop! We know you have come to kill us. Our arrows are pointed at you and you are all dead men. We have every right to kill you in self-defense. But God has shown us a better way to live. So we relax our bows in the name of Jesus. Are you ready to continue where we left off? I am. Where were we? Oh, yeah. We were stuck on the word for mercy. Have you given that any more thought? No, not really. Dayun, that's it! What did you say Siyuch said to the warriors right before they left? He said, in the name of Jesus, we relax our bow. What is the Kimyal word for relax the bow? Weradona? Tayun, that's the word I've been looking for. Weradona. That is what God does when he forgives our sins. He does weradona for our sake, taking away our punishment. That's the word we'll use for mercy. So cool. I love that's it well, so much. That, that's a great, you know, you got this great war thing going on and then, yeah, it's great. You got to listen to it. Listen to the whole thing because that's kind of towards towards the end. And uh, today we are so privileged to have with us uh, the one of the persons you heard on uh, on that episode trying to find the word for mercy, Eleanor Young. Thank you for joining us, Eleanor. Welcome. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. And you're calling us from Washington, is that right? Yes, Washington State. Washington State. Yeah, you're you're not in D.C. Um, maybe we should no. send you there. I don't know. And <laughs> I'm not we... in Seattle either. I'm on the eastern side of the state. Oh, okay. the eastern side. Okay. Have you guys been having fires as well? Yes. Yes. That's so, so sad. So much devastation over there. Yes. Well, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, it'll keep away from you and uh, you'll all be safe. But, you know, you're, you're no stranger apparently to, uh, to danger uh, as we hear in, the, <laughs> hear, right. in, hear in these Fire episodes. Fire will be nothing to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the last uh, podcast and actually in the first, uh, the first of the episodes, uh, we hear your life as a, a young girl. Um, you were diagnosed with, with polio 
actually two types of polio, uh, one that affects uh, large muscle movement or, or and the other one that's more autonomic, you know, breathing and so forth. And so we, we won't cover that again. What we want to do is we want to get you all the way to Irian Jaya in this episode and talk a little bit about your mission's work. Now, you told me before, and I'm going to have you repeat it for our listeners, I said Irian Jaya, and what what is the kind of current name of of the country that you were in? The current name is Papua, Indonesia. It's one of the provinces of the nation of Indonesia. So it is not the independent country of Papua New Guinea. Right. So that's very important if you're if you're going to look it up, uh, which I actually had to do. I actually had to listen to uh, a bunch of people talking uh, in that. um, And I had to make sure I got actually the right place. So how how old were you when you uh, went to the mission field in Erie and Jai? Was that your first posting or did you have others? No, that was that was my first long term thing, uh, overseas thing. Uh, I I was twenty seven years old. By then, I had gone through two uh, colleges and then also some linguistic training. So it took me several years to get uh, my bucket full of the tools God wanted me to have there. Uh, did you go over there? specifically as a Bible translator? No, I also had um, uh, credentials to teach on a secondary level. Um, I had done children's work. I, um, I, you know, there were a number of things that that were in that bucket of tools Hmm. uh, besides the uh, linguistics and so I just went over there figuring that uh, I would be slotted in where there was the biggest need for uh, what I could do. Hmm. You know, it's interesting, Eleanor, because you spend a lot of time there. And, and whenever I talk to people wanting to go on the mission field, I always try to encourage them to um, do a couple of short-term trips first, get some of the cultural first um strangenesses you know shock yeah Yeah. kind of get used to that a little did you do any of that or what was your experience in that actually i during all my years uh in between years at prairie bible college i uh traveled the state of washington with child evangelism fellowship Hmm. holding um five-day clubs and um we went into some really strange places and cross-cultural places, okay. had amazing experiences. And that was really my training ground wow. for missions. That is really good to hear because I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to go to school forever. But I know I hear teachers say this, too. You you don't really learn what actually everything you need to know in the classroom. You have to be on in the classroom right. with the kids to learn what you need to do. So it sounds like you had a lot of act. You were very active before you went out, and I think that maybe had a large part to do with the success when you were there because you were kind of ready for what you were going to see. Well, not exactly ready, but I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and I uh, I also did. Um, uh, 
besides the five-day clubs in the summertime, when I was going to school at Whitworth, I did the uh, uh, regular Bible clubs with uh, CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship. So I kept doing that. Wow. That's, yeah, that's great. That's good to know. I didn't even know there was such a thing as culture until I left the country, you know, my own culture. And so I just, it blew my mind. And I thought, Sarah wow. is largely uncultured. <laughs> well, we have a lot of uh, migrant worker camps and mm-hmm. various things in this state. But even with getting some experience and so forth, it was a different country completely. Did you, I mean, you would have to have some trepidation, some fears, you know, something that, oh, I hope this doesn't happen or I'm I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Can you can you share with us, if possible, the thing that you were most nervous about or, or afraid of even? Actually, um, I've been thinking about that because you warned me, you, you would ask me mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I can't even think of anything I was particularly afraid about. I think I, my mind was just so focused on uh, what I would do, where I would be, uh, and, the, and uh, you know, looking forward that I, I didn't have time to be afraid. <laughs> God made you too busy to be afraid. Well, that's wonderful. Well, then, then let's let's jump over there. So you you get over there. Can you describe a little bit in terms of where you lived, like the terrain, and what kind of climate was it? Uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, well, there's uh, there is the typical steamy, hot, uh, humid jungle on the coastal areas, but the island is divided by this high, high, high mountain range. And uh, I was uh, Corpoon, where I was, where the Kimiel tribe lives, is uh, over a mile high in those mountains. So there, even though it was just six degrees south of the equator, it was sweater weather much of the time. Oh, due to the altitude? When the sun did shine, however, it was very intense. Hmm. Wow, that that is a very different terrain. So lots of mountains. And we talked a little bit in the last episode of the the um, limitations you had in walking. I'm wondering, could you walk around your house? You you In the episode we hear, you could walk with your crutches. Now, did you have to walk around your house? Did you need to be carried at, at, at all times? Because we hear... You know, they made a carrier for you, and it sounded really fun. I just wondered, what was that like for you living in the mountains? How did you how did you work that out? Yeah, well, actually, during the years that I was there, I did not use either crutches or braces. That's amazing. I, uh, huh? I said that's amazing. Yeah, it is. I probably should have, but I didn't use those. I did have a pretty deep limp, but yeah, I could walk around the house and I could walk between the houses of the the two other missionary houses that were there in that valley. But when I went out on the mountainsides, yeah, the Kimials carried me in a special kind of, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a litter thing that I sat in 
And uh, off we went. And I was very glad because I, I, I would trust their bare feet any day, the bare feet of the Kimmels before any kind of Western shoes and feet. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense to me that it, they would be more sure-footed, I think, than, than, you know, the people walking around in big heavy boots. So they carried you around on a, on a little, it's a term I'm thinking of like a palaquin, is that? Does that sound? I don't yeah, know. I could be no, wrong. No, it was it was two poles that had a net bag slung in it uh, in the middle portion. Oh, okay. Uh, and there was a a board in the bottom of that net bag, and I sat on that board with my legs hanging over the edge. And I hung on to the poles and off we went. I love that scene where they run down the mountain with you. Um, yes. Was that scary? I, mean, I would be terrified. No, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you'd do it right now if you could, right? I would, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. That just shows such trust in the guys who are carrying you. I love that picture. I mean... That's so fun. That is. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the work that you were doing? I've got some questions specifically about the Bible translation. For example, did you translate it from the English version into the native language, or are you using, you know, the original Greek and Hebrew uh, texts, or how, how exactly does that work? All right. In my case, when I was translating the New Testament— I uh, had an eight translation version uh, in English uh, uh, all spread out at once. There was okay. a, 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 a all in a book. They had eight translations on a page. I had that before me. I had two Indonesian translations that from the Indonesian language, because that is the national language, which the Kimyals would be meeting someday. Right. And then uh, the Greek. I, I uh, did have some Greek under my belt, no Greek scholar, but at least I could use the Greek-based reference material. So I was thinking in English, Kimyal, Greek, and Indonesian all at once. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and the Kimyal turns uh, uh, structure, narrative structure, upside down, inside out, and backwards to English. Wow. So uh -oh. I was really doing some mental gymnastics. That's for sure. And, and then, uh, of course, I had various um, reference materials, really good commentaries mm -hmm. based in Greek uh, that I could uh, refer to. And uh, sometimes it would take me days to translate two verses. Wow. Um, because I just didn't... Uh, have the words um, they did not have a word for forgiveness for mercy which you heard about 
or or um, you know the basic ideas of Christianity. They yeah. Didn't have words wow, for. that's amazing. So I had to search for how to say those. Yeah. And um, it was it was difficult, but and my goal was to translate as accurately as possible. Mm-hmm. So wow. uh, I really took my time and tried to do it well. I can't imagine you know, understanding or thinking, I'm translating the Word of God into someone's exactly. language. Did you feel the weight of that on a daily basis? How did you How did you do that? I did feel the weight of that. I really felt that if I was going to tell them this is God's Word, yeah. I needed to do everything I could to make sure that it really truly was what He was communicating to us. And and were you working with, with others or was I, I in the uh, clip that we played, you did have uh, a native person there, but were you working with other missionaries uh, to do the translation? Yes. At a certain point when, when you finished, uh, no, normally when you finish the book, you would uh, have a translation consultant um who was trained in that and certified to do that come in and go over the passages with you of course they did not know kim y'all but they knew how what kinds of questions to ask a kim y'all who had not worked on the translation oh that's smart so this was someone who, who did not know what I was trying to say. Uh, and and this consultant through me would ask this Kim Yal a question that would reveal whether it was correct or not. And then I would um, translate the Kim Yal guy's question back to the consultant. So that was a long process, but that is how it went. And uh, uh, so it went through each each book went through two or three checks that way. Sure. Outside uh, consultants and checkers. And what were the books of the Bible that you worked on? I got uh, before I had to leave, I finished one third of the New Testament I wow. did also the Old Testament book of Malachi. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And uh, and then I did a, a, a summary of about one third of the Old Testament. Wow. You did so much work. I'm I'm just amazed. I'm thinking, you know, thinking big picture, just looking over your life with you, which is so crazy and fun. But what an amazing thing God gave for you to do. I mean, there you were, that little girl, you know, thinking, I think I need to be a missionary. And little did you know that God was choosing you to do such important uh-huh. and powerful work, you know, and you would just be there doing it like you do an everyday job just to the best of your ability. But then at the end of the day, people are reading the words that you chose for the Word of God. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. How did the, um, the Kim Yal people react when... You know, obviously you, you you do other missionary work as you're there and they know why you're there. But when they finally hear the word of God in their own language. Yes. Um, 
every time I got to the place where I was allowed to print, you know, locally on my uh, computer. At first, it was a Gestetner, <laughs> <laughs> but then on a computer, um, when I was able to print uh, a few copies, uh, limited number and pass them out to the pastors and elders so that I could hear them being preached and that way see if there was any misunderstanding. Hmm. But they looked so eagerly forward to them. And I remember when I first was at the beginning of trying to do some preliminary translation, one of the Kimmels said, please, please give us God's word. We hunger for that more than we hunger for our sweet potatoes. (laughs) And their sweet potatoes are, that's the same word as food. Oh. That is food to them. That is so amazing. Can you describe for us the celebration that we hear a little bit of at the end, can you describe what happened when they finally got the Word of God completed in their language of the New Testament there? Yes, when the New Testament was uh, completed, um, uh, it, it was a celebration. It was uh, undescribable. I can't, <laughs> can't explain it, but they were just so excited. And there is a a video on YouTube that you can see of that celebration. Yeah, and we'll have the link to that in the show notes. It has uh, gone around the world many, 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 many times um, to see there. They're just absolutely overjoyed. Yeah, I I watched that not terribly long ago. I I just, I loved it. I thought it was Mm -hmm. great. And my follow-up question, if you will, to that video is, what do you see, at least, as the greatest change that the gospel made in the Kimyal community or, or the culture? It was the change that I heard Pastor Siut, the main pastor, mm-hmm. when I was uh, there toward the end of my time there. In fact, I considered him my pastor by the time I left there. Hmm. Such a man of God. And one Sunday in church, he was, I don't even remember the passage he was preaching on, but he stopped and with tears running down his face, he said, we used to walk in the darkness and now we walk in the light. And that indeed was the biggest change. They did walk in the darkness of absolute total slavery to Satan. And God broke that and brought light to the whole culture. What do you mean by they were under the the bounds of Satan? What did that look like? It looked like hate. It looked like killing and eating people. Hmm. You know, I've told people, uh, people here have talked about someone and they said, oh, man, I don't think that person will ever come to the Lord. And I can say, listen, I saw God transform people who ate people. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he, that This guy you're talking about is a shoe in to God. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, and I think you know it's it's one thing at least in our in our culture there's this certain feeling of well who are you to go over and bother those people with your ideas and then when you realize that they're living in in bondage i mean they're living in a world of fear and spirits and there i say extortion and you know all these things and you know it's like they're in prison so why wouldn't you go over and free them. I mean, you know, or, or at least tell them how to meet the guy who has the key. Um, that's just one thing that I, I always think of. Yes. I get really upset by what I call keepers of human zoos. Yeah. Uh, just wanting them to stay the way they were so that we can satisfy our curiosity. Right. Wow. But, you know, they we did not, the gospel did not change them from being thoroughly 100% chemial right. in their way of thinking, in what they do culturally. They are still chemial. It's just that now they are chemial on the path of light not chemical in that terrible mm. dark slavery. I remember earlier you had told me that there were certain things you wanted to really make sure you didn't tell them, do this, do that, based on what we think is right oh. here in America. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, we didn't. We did not do that. And people have said, uh, how, how can you make them change? And I said, what? We didn't make them change. We just told them the truth about God, knowing that the Holy Spirit would show them which changes they needed to make and which they didn't. Hmm. So we didn't even talk to them about wearing clothes. <laughs> None of that. Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. And uh, that is, you know, we left that up completely up to the Lord. And uh, he he knows their hearts and cultures. Mm -hmm. We don't. We can't. We can't import part of our culture with the gospel. That's a no no in my book. And I think that's one of the best times I've heard that put. Mm -hmm. Really, thank you so much, Eleanor. That's amazing. I, I appreciate it. And just to kind of wrap up here. Um, one of the things we talked about the last episode was the idea that God shows his strength in our weakness. Uh, yes. can, yeah, can you give us an example or, you know, what, what God taught you about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the name that they gave me, and that is the title of these episodes, Bad Legs or Bad Legs Woman. When I realized that they had given me that name, um, I asked Pastor Siute, uh, how come that was my name now? And he told me, because your bad legs are important to us. Hmm. We know people with bad legs. We have people in our villages with bad legs, and they can't get out of this valley. But God brought you all the way from America. And they had no idea how far away that was, except they could never walk there. <laughs> but 
God brought you all the way to us from America to give us his word. And so I realized that my bad legs were a symbol to them of God's great love for them. I mean, is that God's glory showing up in my weakness? Uh, truly. That's uh, I, I think we're all actually kind of stunned here uh, listening to that. And I cannot think of a, a better last word for this episode than that. Eleanor, I want to thank you so much. You've made this an absolute pleasure for Sarah and myself. Mm-hmm. I I just want to come to Washington and like have lemonade with you or something. I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> that that's kind of how I feel. And you know, I I encourage. Um, we talked last time about you're 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 writing a book. Um, is there any other other things that you're involved with right now that people can learn more about uh, about yourself? If you've got a, a blog or uh, an email or something like that. I've got a a, um, a website um, that is at uh, eleanoryoung.info. Okay. E-L-I-N-O-R-Y-O-U-N-G dot I-N-F-O. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that we include that in the show notes uh, for people that want to learn more about your past and, and also what you're doing. And I just want to say from from us here, uh, God bless you. Thank you. He does. He does indeed. <laughs> uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.